I'm Bill DeVille. Welcome to the all-new Music Heads. Music news for music lovers. This time we chat with Thurston Moore, who was just in town in a solo tour. He'll tell us what he's been listening to in our guest list. Lindsay Kimball will tell us about what uh, one of her all-time favorites is in our Essentials segment. Co-music director Melanie Walker drops by for the next big thing to talk about the Georgia artist known as Washed Out. In the music meeting... It's a new album from Battles with my colleagues Brett Baldwin and Teenage Kicks host Jackie Fuller. And David Safar and I will run the numbers in our chart breakout segment. But now, it's time for the music cast. This is Music Heads, music news for music lovers. Time now for the music cast with morning show co-host Jill Riley. What's going on in the world of music these days, Jill? Well, Bill, I uh, hate to start with the yeah, sad news, yeah. but I think it's important that we uh, that we begin with Amy Winehouse. I cheated myself like I knew I would. British singer Amy Winehouse uh, was found dead in, in her home in London over the weekend, and that was Saturday that we mm. caught the news that she was 27 years old. The cause of death hasn't been reported yet, although Winehouse's struggles with substance abuse was well known and followed by the media. So there's some speculation, of course, that it had to do with um, you know substance abuse and some of the problems that she had really been publicly having. But we won't know until an official autopsy has been done. But despite her successes, she continued to have problems with drugs and alcohol. She was arrested several times very publicly for assault and drug offenses. So just recently, her comeback tour was canceled after a really disastrous performance in Serbia. I saw some video of that online. It was was very hard to watch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, on a lighter note, she was reportedly working on a new album. So it's just sad to see that that she's gone so soon. Yeah. No matter what happened, how this went down, it doesn't take away the sadness and and the life was lost. And can you just imagine, I mean, the, the music that she could have made in her career? Right. I absolutely loved her voice. I loved that just blues, sultry. I mean, she Almost was... Billie Holiday-like Yeah, I mean, she was yeah. really, uh, you know, living the blues. And she was really a music encyclopedia about that kind of stuff. I mean, she mm-hmm. grew up listening to her dad's records. And that was, uh, you know, the sound that she latched onto. And uh, it is very sad. In fact, it's just been sad watching kind of her roller coaster the past couple of years. So, and 27 years old. Yeah. Doesn't that just seem like the rock and roll age? It's uh, where well, it either you're going to you're yeah. going to live past 27 or you're going to expire at 27. Yeah, it all started with Robert Johnson back in the day. And, yeah, and uh, then uh, Hendrix mm-hmm. and Janis Joplin, Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. The list goes on and Dee on. Boone. Oh, t- tons. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I saw an article. Um, it was on NPR about this guy who wrote a book about the 27 Club. It's really interesting. Just uh, do a Google search on it. The 27 Club. You wouldn't believe how many names are yeah, there. That's crazy. It's really crazy. In other news, Feist is finally coming out with her highly anticipated new album. It's called Metals, and it's coming out right around the corner, August 4th. Um, the 12-song album was recorded in Toronto and Big Sur, and Feist collaborated with a producer who's best known for his work um, with Bjork. And you can watch two preview videos for the album at our website. Just go to thecurrent.org. Take it Kanye West and Jay-Z, well, they're teaming up together. 
They're now working together on a collaborative album called um, Watch the Throne, which now has an official release date. Uh, The record will drop on August 1st digitally and hit stores on August 5th. Um, As Billboard reports, the pair have announced that they'll also be touring together this fall. And we do have a local date in the Twin Cities, October 8th at the Target Center in Minneapolis. And I guess that they're also going by the group name the throne. And I guess somehow or another they must have managed to check their egos at the door, huh? I wonder. I guess we'll see how that pans out. Here's a music festival coming up, but you're going to have to be in Europe to see it. Prince is heading to Europe after wrapping his Welcome to America tour. Prince is headlining his own festival, dubbed the NPG Music and Art Festival, and that's August 6th to 7th in uh, Copenhagen. And the festival will feature performances from, and uh, clearly Prince curated this festival, mm-hmm. Shaka Khan, Nika Costa, Raphael Sadiq, Janelle Monet, and many others. Larry Graham, I saw another Twin City in. From oh, yeah? The Family Stone will be there, too. Well, why can't the festival be here in the Twin Cities? I hear you. Maybe he's trying it out in Copenhagen first to see if the logistics will work. P.S. We're still waiting for that uh, that First Avenue makeup date as well. And finally, if you have a little one, and I'm not really sure what age this book will be appropriate for, but the Decemberist Colin Malloy is releasing his first children's book called Wildwood. Uh, it hits stores on August 30th. So the book was written by Colin Malloy, and uh, he just happens to know this really great illustrator, and that would be his wife, Carson, yeah, Carson Ellis. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, P.S. She did the um, artist series Tote Bag That's for our right. member drive a couple of years ago. But the story is of a young girl who goes on a quest to save her brother from a murder of sinister crows. <laughs> it sounds nice and dark right up Colin Malloy's alley. Yeah, murder in there. I suppose it's kind of a given with Colin Malloy. Right. According to the Decemberist website, the fantasy tale is set in a world full of warring creatures, peaceable mystics, and powerful figures with the darkest intentions. So again, I'm not really sure what age it'll be appropriate for, but it might be kind of a fun one to pick up if you're a fan of the December. Thanks for dropping by, Jill. Stick around. We'll run the numbers with David Safar coming up in the chart breakouts. First, new albums in stores this week include Bodine's. Their Indigo Dreams will be out. The band from Milwaukee been around, oh, 20-some years already. Brandy and Ray J with a new one. Frank Ocean, an artist we've recently discussed on Music Heads, has one as well. And Dex Romweber duo. Dex was the founder of Flat Duo Jets, who are a big influence on bands like the White Stripes. Joss Stone's new one drops this week, and a new one from the electronic music band from Gothenburg, Sweden, Little Dragon, were fronted by Yukimi Nagano, and their new album is called Ritual Union. We're going to check out a track called Nightlight here on Music Heads. Time now for the chart breakouts. Mark Weed is on holiday. David Sapphire is in the house. What's going on at the chart show, David? We had a great chart this last week, and I encourage everybody to go vote for their favorite songs this week and tune in on Thursday to find out what the new chart is. 
But this last week, at number one and number two, holding on Fleet Foxes, number one, and Bon Iver, number two, which is so appropriate because Fleet Foxes were just in town, mm-hmm. That's put on their show, yeah. and Bon Iver has some sold-out shows coming up. I think Bon Iver might bump up to number one this next week, though, now that Fleet Foxes has already been through town. But most exciting this last week was we had many new entries, a really, really strong debut from local band Halloween Alaska. They dropped in on the chart at the number eight spot, which is a great, great debut. Their album is out digitally at the end of August, and then the physical will be out in September. Also, a new entry from Florence and the Machine covering Buddy Holly's Not Fade Away. That's a nice, fresh cover of that song, too. It's a great cover. Cults came in at the number 17 spot with Go Outside. Givers finally popped up on that chart. Yeah, with their song Up, Up, Up at number 18. And Tune Yards, the album Who Kill is by some critics being called maybe the album of the year. The song You, Yes, You popped in at the number 20 spot this week on the chart. It's going to be interesting to see if some of these artists are able to climb to the upper echelons of our our little chart show. I'll be back next week to let you know. All right. Well, let's run the numbers, David. Blake Shelton, the country superstar, debuted at number one locally and nationally. And maybe it's all because he boosted his profile a bit as he's one of the, uh, the judges or uh, the talent hosts on, uh, on The Voice. And he debuted at uh, number one with uh, the Red River Blue album. Remember the 90s rockers Incubus, David? Just barely, but yeah. it's, it's amazing we're still calling them alternative. Yeah, and uh, that album debuted at number two nationally, four locally. Those Canadian heavy rockers Theory of a Dead Man debuted at uh, five locally, eight across the country. Kobe Calais is back with a new album, and that debuted at number two locally. Adele still strong both locally and nationally, as her 21 album sits at number three. And our guy Boney Vare sits at number 21 in the country and uh, still doing quite uh, well in the market, as you were mentioning on the chart show, and uh, well in the sales figures, too, as it sits at number 12 here in the Twin Cities. And Washed Out, David, you see this, is uh, debuted locally at number 23. I'm just going to tell you, the album cover alone will yeah. make you pick up the album. You'll see what I mean if you check it out in, at your local record store. All right, that's the Georgia kid, Ernest Green, and uh, his, is that his debut album? It's his debut. That's incredible. And uh, last but not least, Jill Scott is at uh, number 14 nationally, but drop all the way to 59 locally. Thanks for sitting in, David. The next big thing is coming up on Music Heads with Melanie Walker. But first, let's listen to Jill Scott featuring Anthony Hamilton. This is called So In Love here on Music Heads. I'm Bill DeVille, and this is Music Heads. Time now to check out who's set to become the next big thing with our co-music director, Melanie Walker. So, who's that? Who's going to be the next big thing? I don't know if he's going to necessarily be the next big thing, but I think he's going to be the next big thing in the world of independent music. Mm -hmm. He's a DIY bedroom producer called Washed Out that I just adore. 
he's a, he's a gentleman from Georgia, right? Yes, yeah. he's been around for quite a while, actually. Um, he's a 28-year-old Atlanta-based songwriter and producer. His name is actually Ernest Green. Mm-hmm. He first actually started making music under the bedroom recording project Lee Weather that I never had heard of. I'm sure you haven't heard of no, them. No. I don't think they ever went anywhere. But he soon emerged as Washed Out with a brand new EP that was quickly embraced by this independent music world of bloggers in that blogosphere. And he became one of the most popular new acts in that world um, in the summer of 2009. And that was only after unassumingly posting like a handful of bedroom recorded tracks on his MySpace page. Right. Uh, from his home in this really small, tiny rural city called Perry, Georgia. If, if you want to define what a bedroom artist is, he's like the bedroom artist. He's not like not, a bedroom not artist. City? No, <laughs> he's not like a bedroom artist in New York. I mean, yeah. a bedroom artist in New York is like exposed with lots of different kinds of music and you know and things going on. But when you're in a small rural area like Perry, Georgia, and you've got you know a little eight track bit thing in your bedroom, it's it's a whole different world, I think. But he's soon he's soon emerged in the summer of 2009 with this EP called Life of Leisure that had a huge hit on the blogs called Belong. Um, And it actually ended up being featured as the opening sequence track to that popular TV series that I'm sure you've heard of called Portlandia. And I've seen it. I think it's very cool. That also gave him a lot of exposure, having, you know, one of his tracks in a television show before he's even signed to any sort of label. Later that year, he ended up taking himself and some people on the road. I mean, how do you take a bedroom artist out on the road? He ended up getting a backing band that we've played a little bit here at the station, a band called Small Black. Sure. And so soon, Sub Pop Records caught a sniff of him and was like, hey, this is a surefire hit, signed him, and um, signed him to make a a full-length release, which is this album called Within and Without. He he ended up writing this album um, with a producer that we might be a little bit familiar with. He's also a, a fellow Georgian, Ben Allen, who worked with Animal Collective right. on that that album that broke them out into the mainstream, Meriwether Post Pavilion, which you know most of our listeners are really familiar with. Oh, it's a, it's a big with. one around these parts. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you might hear a little bit of similarities between um, that Animal Collective album and this new Within Without project. It's a beautiful release. It's full of really effortless, like, blissed out kind of melodies. But it's still got these organic, like, textures and sounds um, to it. It's really kind of a unique release in, in the world of music today. There's a lot of this chill wave and, like, yeah, lo-fi. Yeah, one of these new subgenres that's out there, chill Wave. I know. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what chill wave is. I mean, there's a lot of things that are kind of defined as chill wave and lo-fi, or what is that thing that uh, James Blake is? It's called post dubstep. I mean, people just kind of think up a name and slap it on there. Yeah, I, I think, think a lot so. of the time. But yeah. um, but you know, I mean, he's really best compared to kind of the glossy melodies of like '80s synth pop. You know, like bands like OMD, mm-hmm. Flock of Seagulls comes to mind, like Soft Cell. Maybe a little Alphaville, remember that? <laughs> totally, yeah, the synth pop early 80s. And uh, more more contemporary artists like, say, Toro y Moi as well. Yeah, and yeah. actually actually Toro y Moi is actually a good friend of his. Yeah. Chaz mm-hmm. Bundick is, is one of his good friends. Now, I don't know if Washed Out is going to break into the mainstream bill yeah. necessarily, but I think he's making some big waves in the world of independent music right now. Um, and he's worth paying attention to. He's got really gorgeous, like, wistful vocals and... You know, the music's really original, but it's still very accessible. So I think it's something that people could really 
I think they can grab a hold of this a little bit more than some of the other chill wave stuff out there. Well, thanks for dropping by, Melanie. Stay tuned. We've got the guest list coming up, and we'll be talking with Thurston Moore from the band Sonic Youth, who recently dropped by to chat about some of his favorite music. But first, Melanie, what did you want us to, to check out? I want to actually check out the first track on the album. It's just a beautiful track to kind of set the pace and the tone for the whole album. It's called Eyes Be Closed by Washed Out. And thanks for dropping by. This is Music Heads from 89.3 The Current. My name's Bill DeVille, and I'm here with Thurston Moore, the band Sonic Youth, who's in the midst of a solo tour as we speak, and he's here in the Twin Cities. So, Thurston, the big question is, what you been listening to of late? I like this new uh, double album by Bardo Pond. Mm -hmm. They're from Philadelphia. They've been around a long time. So what's the story? Why do you like it? Well, they're one of the groups that really sort of came out of this kind of weird zone where they were playing this kind of extended psychedelic Mm -hmm. kind of really sort of hazy kind of overamped kind of music that wasn't always kind of loud it was sometimes it would go into these really quiet realms and it was sort of traditional rock band setup but they have this woman who plays flute and sings um which sounds very like it could be very sort of precious but it's Mm -hmm. actually very very heavy and it's really great and they i've always liked their records i'm not um i couldn't tell you everything about every record but I remember their first one being really great and then there was another one that Matador Records put out that I thought was really good and they put out tons more and right. you know, in between so I can't keep up but someone told me at a record store that the new Bardo Pond double album that's on this label called Fire is amazing and so I was like okay say no more and I went out and I got it and it's such a cool record it's like one of the coolest records I've heard in a long time. Thanks so much for dropping by. It's Thurston Moore, who again is in the midst of a solo tour as we speak. And a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. This week's music meeting, Brett Baldwin, The Current's web guy, is here. Hi, Brett. Welcome to Music Heads. Thanks, Bill. It's nice to have you. And Jackie Fuller, who hosts Teenage Kicks, is here as well. Hi, Bill. Welcome back. Thanks. It's been a while. Uh, Battles is now a trio as Tundai Braxton left the band prior to the Gloss Drop album. The band features drummer John Stanier. He's from the band Helmet and Tomahawk guitarist Ian Williams, who played with the instrumental band Don Caballero and guitarist David Kanopka, who owned his chops in a band called Lynx. They've been recording since 2004, releasing their first album in 2007 called Mirrored, which featured the track Atlas, which you likely heard on 89.3 The Current. 
battles our practitioners of what many call math rock, which Wikipedia describes as a rhythmically complex guitar-based style of experimental rock that emerged in the 80s. It's characterized by complex, atypical rhythmic structures, including irregular stopping and starting, angular melodies, and dissonant chords. Battles' new gloss drop album is their second effort. It really requires no math skills to enjoy. It's quite a joyride. It's whimsical and fun and full of bouncy beats and angular guitars. The album shows hints of avant jazz, reggae dub, and Caribbean sounds. Gloss Drop also boasts guests like Gary Newman, Kazo Makino of Blonde Redhead, and others. Is the album working for you, Jackie? Well, I never was very good at math. but yeah, uh, me neither. I, <laughs> that's a hard question to answer because I don't think it's the sort of album that I would uh, listen to at home or at work or in my car or maybe possibly anywhere. But I mm-hmm. appreciate what this band is up to. I feel like there's a lot of artists making really inventive music right now and Battles is 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 definitely doing that. I just uh, I love the the seamless integration of computers and and, and real instruments. I can yeah. when I'm listening, I I'm always thinking, is that a real instrument I'm hearing, or is that? I, I was wondering that too. Like I I swore I heard the steel drums all over the album, but was it? Right, right. You know? Is it is it? And and they play with that. They they yeah. they have real instruments s- simulating computers and computers simulating real instruments. So you never really know what's going on. When Mirrored came out in '07, I I really couldn't get into the band, um, and I think. Part of what made them so unique and caused such a buzz, which was uh, Tundai's vocals, was the thing that grated on my nerves the most, that cartoon-esque kind of high-pitched thing that that they were doing with his vocals. And so in the absence of him, I, I feel like it's a little more accessible, this album is. I also feel like for those that maybe might be uh, sad about his departure, it, it really shows that the band is the anchor yeah, and the music yeah. that they're making. And the vocals are just another instrument to play with, and they do that with a lot of guest vocalists on this album. Any songs catch your ear? Well, I think that um, the first song, Afro Castle, I think is the most uh, indicative of what this band is up to, especially because there's more of a, a Caribbean sound yeah, on this yeah. album. Mm-hmm. And Afro Castle in, in particular, it's it's uh, this band sounds like you put uh, Kraftwerk, Rush, and Perez Prado in a blender, and like what came out is this new sort of modern food stuff yeah. musically, you know? And this song really captures that. How about you? Is the album working for you? Uh, well, I can I can I quanti- can I quantify it by saying yes. that the second half works great for me. The B side is amazing. The first side, I, I have to disagree with you, Jackie. I just I, I I listened to it and I thought, oh my god, I'm just too old for this record. Like, <laughs> Did you listen to this on vinyl, Brett? Well, no. I just I just <laughs> thought, oh, I'm getting a headache and it's just moving too fast uh-huh. and there's no like there's no hook and the only thing I like about the first side is the is the organ riff on on uh, ice cream. Which uh, we we've been playing that a bit, mm-hmm. and and I think that the 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 organ jam there is just great. Yeah, I can it's get fantastic. so mm-hmm. into that. Um, but the rest of that first side just kind of leaves me wanting something a little more structured and 
and maybe because I don't like math either. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly why it is. But but being a big fan of Gary Newman, uh, getting to, I think that's track six, um, mm-hmm. My Machines, My Machines right. where uh, he does some guest vocals, I was, I, was, I was eager to hear that. And when I got to it, I thought, well, you know, I can, I can get into it a little bit, even though Gary Newman doesn't really bring a lot to the song um it it, it did make me feel a little more comfortable and happy with my age and um so i listened to that and then um thought it was great but even better was was further along with uh sweetie and shag the song that Mm -hmm. features um kazuma kino from blonde Blonde redhead Mm -hmm. and that i thought man that is a that is a pop gem that song is something that you would you would be thrilled to hear on um probably any compilation i think that's great mixtape fodder yeah and, it's bouncy um, and kind of sugary which you don't really expect from, from not at all. at all or yeah. or from or from kazuma kino yeah. either i mean she's usually so dramatic I was reading a little bit about this one in, in Mojo Magazine, and it, this wasn't an easy album for these guys to make at all. I mean, they went through hell in a handbasket after Tunde Braxton sure. uh, left. In fact, they they totally scrapped the whole project and started over from scratch. And it doesn't even sound like their their time in the studio was all that fun. But they this was important to them to get it right, and they think they did it right. And uh, and for what it is, I think it's really good too. And this really isn't my cup of tea, but I like you know it's really original. What else sounds like this? And this day and age, that's pretty difficult. To, there's nothing you know, else. And, there, and, there, and there's always these comparisons to Animal Collective. And I don't really know where that's coming from because this is just such a different sound. They take yeah. these, you know, disparate parts, including that Caribbean sound, and then they just sort of compress it into something thoroughly modern and mm-hmm. slick and just mm-hmm. so different than anything else that's out there. Yeah, it seems like there's everybody's kind of ripping on the fact that these all these bands that are kind of influenced by Afrobeat now. And I think. They are as well, and they even mentioned it in this article I'm just telling you about too. But I think this was—they were influenced by music from all over the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's hugely interesting. And uh, my favorite was that uh, ice cream number. I don't even know—is it Matthias Aguayo? Aguayo. Aguayo. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's hugely interesting. That's maybe one of my summer uh, songs of 2011. I get a little skeeved out by the beginning, though. Yeah. All that grunting and. <laughs> <laughs> There's an instrumental track for uh, on, on the single of Ice Cream. You can get um, in three different flavors they came out with, nice. with colored vinyl there was like a pink version a white version and a brown version for like strawberry vanilla and chocolate well jackie brett thanks so much for dropping by for music heads the album is called gloss drop from battles we're going to check out the track ice cream Yeah. 
Yo, remember Yo. back on the bully when cats used to harmonize like... You're listening to Music Heads, music news for music lovers. It's time now for the Essentials feature, where I let you know what records are must-have for any Music Heads collection. Lindsay Kimball, our programming coordinator, is here to join us. What you want to talk about today, Lindsay? Uh, we're going to talk about Lauren Hill's uh, album that she released in 1998, her first solo record after uh, being a part of the Fugees. It was called The Miseducation mm-hmm. of Lauren Hill. She ended up naming that based on a book by Carter G. Woodson called The Miseducation of the Negro and also with inspiration from a film and autobiographical novel called The Education of Sonny Carson, which kind of inspired that title. That album went on to sell uh, almost half a million records in the first week. And then 18 million copies in the next decade, yeah, which is insane. Yeah, don't shift units like that anymore. No. Yeah. She ended up getting a ton of critical acclaim. She had uh, 10 Grammy nominations, winning five of those, including Album of the Year and Best New Artist. So it had all this momentum behind it. Mm-hmm. There was really great songwriting. And uh, you could definitely tell that she had a lot of flexibility. She was rapping, but she was also singing. And she right. had soul in there, and she had meaning. And her songwriting wasn't shallow. But she was also talking about, uh, in the song to Zion, about her desi- her decision not to have an abortion. Uh, when she got pregnant with her first child, right. she decided she was going to keep the baby, even though all of the people in her career were like saying, no, don't do this. This will ruin your career. You can't have a kid. All that stuff. So she wrote a song about that and had uh, Carlos Santana. Yeah, he did that beautiful Spanish guitar on that song. Just amazingly beautiful. Yeah, and mm-hmm. for someone to write a song that's that personal like that, it just shows a lot of depth in her songwriting. Yeah. While having a very deep song like that, she had Do Up That Thing, which was kind of a, a more soulful song, which really showed off her vocal talent. Throughout this whole record, Lauren had a poet come and kind of act as a school teacher. His role was basically to sound like a teacher, but also just talk about lessons of life and love. So you kind of have this weaved in and out of this of this record. For example, in one of the songs, she's dealing with her relationship with Wyclef Jean in uh, When It Hurts So Bad, and I Used to Love Him. And uh, and so you kind of hear all that those themes yeah. kind of running through the whole thing. And uh, near the end, she has Everything is Everything, which is a really cool song because song, uh, yeah. she had a little guest pianist on that song. Turns out it was John Legend. He was just a young guy yeah, back then. Like 19 years old. Yeah, incredible, yeah. incredible. So he was playing on the piano on that song, and she also had uh, D'Angelo on that record, and she also had uh, Mary J. Blige on this record. This is something that I can go back to and listen to, and it still sounds fresh to me. It doesn't yeah. get old. How did you discover this album? I was always a fan, fan of, of the Fugees. Yeah. At first, I was kind of like, huh, a solo record from her. I mean, I liked I liked the fact that you know she was rapping, but it was always mm-hmm. it was still kind of groundbreaking at the time. I was probably probably like 14 or something yeah. like that, and I was like, this is it was totally different, totally mind blowing from what I was used to listening to. I have like a hundred million bajillion records at home, but this one is in my car, ah, <laughs> so I can dig it out whenever I want. Permanent spot it's got a permanent spot in the car, and so I, I find myself going back to it when I'm like, I need something familiar, comfortable, and I don't get bored with it, which I think it's rare that I find a disc that does yeah. that for me. Do you think she'll find her way again musically? Yeah, that's a really great question. Yeah, I, I just read that she's pregnant with her sixth child. I think motherhood's really something that's become a priority for her. Yeah, and so I. I don't see her coming back in the near future with with any music, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think at some point she probably probably will. will. Well, Lindsay, it's been nice uh, chatting with you about the Miseducation of Lauren Hill, the album from 1998, selling what'd you say, 18 million copies? 18 million copies. That's just incredible. Nice of you to drop by. And what song do you want us to listen to here on the Essentials feature from Lauren? Let's uh, let's listen to Everything Is Everything with right. the uh, then John Legend on piano, and here it is on Music Heads.
It's been Music Heads from 89.3, The Current, and Minnesota Public Radio. I want to thank our guests, Jill Riley, David Safar, Lindsey Kimball, Jackie Fuller, Brett Baldwin, and props to Thurston Moore for being kind enough to chat with us. Special thanks to executive producer Melanie Walker for helping to make this show happen, and to Derek Stevens for all of his assistance. Thank you for joining me. We'll wrap up this week's show with a sneak peek of a track from Wild Flag. Now, that's the group comprised of Janet Weiss and Carrie Brownstein from Sleater Kinney, along with Mary Timoney of the band Helium and Rebecca Cole from the Portland band The Minders. They just announced a show, by the way, October 3rd at the Varsity Theater in Minneapolis. The self-titled album drops on September 13th from Wild Flag on the Merge label. Here's a track from that album. This is called Romance. <laughs> 